0: A pastor owned a parrot with an acquired vocabulary of cuss words from a previous owner. It was embarrassing. A woman in the congregation suggested a remedy. She would put him in with her well behaved parrot. Her female parrot said nothing except, Let's pray. The birds were put together. The pastor's bird took one look at the lady parrot and chirped Hi, Toots. How about a kiss? The lady parrot responded surprisingly not, let's pray, but my prayers have been answered. (laughs) Oh, in Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11, the souls under the altar could now say, our prayers have been answered. We're transitioning to the bowl judgments in Revelation chapter 16. So would you turn there with me please. Revelation chapter 16. We've gone through the seven seal judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, and now we begin with the first four bowl judgments. Uh, we often hear the question, does crime pay? I want to alter that for our focus question today. Here's the question, does crime against the saints or against the believers pay? That's our question. Revelation 16, let me go ahead and read to you verses 1 through 9. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go. And pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth. And a foul and a loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. And it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water. And they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, True and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Let's pray. Father, as we see the tribulation winding up, I just pray that we would understand the wrath of God that is being poured out on the inhabitants of the earth and that we would learn that we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost so one day they don't enter into the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments. Give us a heart for the lost but help us to also understand the righteousness of God and that he is a just God. Speak to each heart today as only you can, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. We now have bowl one. It's directed against the land. This is Revelation 16, one and two. John hears a loud voice from this temple saying to seven angels. Who's speaking here? I would suggest perhaps this is the voice of God because notice that the voice is coming from the temple but back in chapter 15 of verse 8 in the book of Revelation the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Seems that it's the voice of God. There's a parallel from the Old Testament, Isaiah 66, verse 6. A voice from the temple. The voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. So, seems that it's the voice of God who is uh, speaking there. And then John continues in his writing and he hears the words, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth we have two commands go pour out the idea seems to be a rapid succession Uh, there is only going to be a brief pause between the third and fourth judgments here in chapter 16 so quickly these things are going to happen the first angel now obeys so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth Each of the seven angels pours out one bowl. This one is poured out on the earth. And the results? And a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Note the two words foul and loathsome. Foul comes from the Greek kakos, which is usually translated bad. And then loathsome here is from paneras, which means evil or wicked. The idea is the sore is doubly bad. It's a serious sore. And looking at the term sore, we find it three times from the Greek New Testament. It means an ulcer, wound, but especially a separated. In other words, there is pus that oozes from this womb. And to get the picture in your mind how disgusting this is, Luke chapter 16. The story is told of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, it literally says, was thrown or dumped at the gate. That's uh, Luke 16 and verse 20. In other words, someone carried him there to the gate and just threw him down so he could beg for a living. And in the very next verse, it says, Luke 16, 21, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. That's our term, sores. Imagine his infection and the pus oozing out and the dogs licking on it. The idea that we have. And then also the same term is found in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Back in the book of Exodus. So, turn with me please to Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. Let your eyes come down to verse 8. And here we have the sixth of ten plagues enacted against the so-called gods of Egypt, verse 8. We're going to find our term in um, a couple of verses coming up. Verse 9, verse 10, look for the word soar. Here we go. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in, here's our term, sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses scattered them toward heaven, and they caused boils that break out in sores. On man and beast. And it's so bad that the magicians then could not come and appear uh, before Moses and the Pharaoh because of these sores that they have. So back with me, please. Revelation chapter 16. And I want you to observe specifically that the sores are given to those men who have the mark of the beast. In other words, those who have sold out to the Antichrist and actually have worshipped the image of the beast, which is the abomination of desolation. So that is bowl number one. Bowl two is salt water judgment. And we see this now down in verse three. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. So we now will have the salt water bodies contaminated. Notice the exact wording that is given in verse 3. And it became blood. It doesn't say like blood. It says it became blood as of a dead man. Notice that there is a progression that is going on with the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and then finally the seven balls. Look at the second trumpet judgment. Going back to Revelation chapter 8. That's Revelation chapter 8. Second trumpet judgment, then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. It doesn't say like blood, it says became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were Destroyed. Think about the implications from not only the second trumpet judgment, but now what we have with the second bowl judgment. You won't have water that uh, can be used to sustain life of the sea creatures because when you have blood, it will kill those animals. Think what it will do to commerce, etc. Notice back here in verse 3 of Revelation 16, And every living creature in the sea died. Stop and think about that. Every living creature in the sea died. This is uh, reminiscent, by the way, of Exodus chapter 7. Uh, Remember when Moses is sent to extricate the Israelites from Egypt? That God was going to enact plagues to show his power that is greater than the so-called gods of Egypt? So in Exodus chapter 7, Beginning down in verse 14. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. And there he's at the Nile having his devotions, if you will. The uh, Egyptians worshipped the Nile. When he goes out to the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned, it doesn't say the word like, but to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all the pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood And pitchers of stone. Seems like a supernatural act here on the part of God. Not only to strike the rivers, but then also the containers housing water. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. And see, as a result, the waters are turned to blood and the fish died. That's what we have now in Revelation chapter 16, but it's much more severe. So we've gone... Through the first bowl of judgment, second bowl of judgment, and here in chapter 16, 4 through 7 of Revelation, we have the fresh water judgment. Judgment on the fresh water. Verse 4 Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. This would be the earth's fresh water supply. Think about this. Not only do you have little food to eat, because now the fish have been killed in the salt-bodied waters, but also no water to drink. In uh, Psalm 78, you don't need to turn there, but in Psalm 78, 43, and 44, The writer, the psalmist, summarizes the plagues on Egypt. And it says concerning the first plague that they could not drink the water. Hmm. Uh, Just recently I read, by the way, that 75% of Americans are greatly dehydrated. They don't have enough fluid in their bodies. Well, what's going to happen when there is no fresh water to drink. Catch the concept. God created all the universe. In Revelation 14 verse 7. It says that God made the sea. And springs there of the water. The fresh water too. So since he's created those bodies of water. Does he not have the authority. The right to judge them. And the answer is simply yes he does. I want to come back and just emphasize something too. I believe that the blood is literal blood. I don't think there's any reference to like or as when it's referring to the waters turning to blood. Also, the reason this is happening according to chapter 16 and verse 6 is that the inhabitants of the earth have been obedient to both the Antichrist and the abomination of the desolation and have martyred the saints. They have shed their blood and now in return, God is giving them blood to drink. Down in verse five, chapter 16, moving on, John writes, and I heard the angel of the waters saying, That's an interesting expression. The angel of the waters. Robert Thomas has a noteworthy quote. The angel who controls the sea and fresh body waters, a different one from the angel who poured out the third bowl. Revelation 7-1 has four angels in charge of the winds, and in 9-11, an angel has authority over the abyss. In 1418 is the angel with power over fire. The angel of the waters is of the same order as those others. That is, God has assigned special angels over these different elements and they are in charge. So, I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord. The one who is and who was and who is to be. The appeal is to the righteousness of the Lord, his very character, his nature. God who is righteous has the right, the authority to act as judge. Revelation 15:3 says, "Just and true are your ways." Our God is a God of justice. And when people spurn the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's only one thing that can come. That will be judgment. Notice the reason is now given at the end of verse five or cause, if you will, because you have judged these things. And you might ask the question, what is the antecedent of these things? The Greek word tauta. That points back to verse four the river and springs of water. God has chosen in his sovereignty to enact judgment on the people through striking these bodies of water. And again, now in verse 6, notice the word for, hati, in the Greek. The conjunction gives a reason or cause, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. Well, let's think about where we're at in the book of Revelation. We are now in the second half of the book of Revelation called the Great Tribulation. The inhabitants of the earth had martyred the 144,000 witnesses from Revelation chapter 7. We see them standing with the Lamb in Revelation 14. They've all been killed. God in his mercy then sends two witnesses, I believe, for the second half of the Tribulation they also will be martyred. And then we see just throughout the period of time, as a result of the abomination of desolation, it comes to life and speaks and says, kill all those who are followers of the Lamb. All Christians or saints, we could even say, at that point in the tribulation that the inhabitants of the earth can get their hands on following the command Of the Antichrist and his emissaries. Will martyr those saints. So for they have shed the blood. Of saints and prophets. But notice this. And you have given them blood to drink. That's the Latin expression. Lex talionis. It's the law of retribution. It's the concept. Of what goes around comes around. Or in other words. Be sure your sin will find you out. The New Testament would say, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. See, it says here at the end of verse 6, for it is their just due. Think about this biblically. In Proverbs 26:27, whoever digs a pit with the idea here of causing someone to fall in will fall into a pit. And he who rolls a stone, see with the idea of rolling it upon someone injure, will have a stone rolled on him. It's the law of retribution. Then in Daniel chapter 6, we have the righteous Daniel. He follows God. He doesn't care that the king has signed the edict that no one can pray to any god except to the king. What does Daniel do? Daniel 6.10, as his custom was from his youth, he opens his window and three times a day he prays. Where does he wind up? In the lion's den. Who gets eaten by the lions? Daniel 6.24 shows us those that conspired to harm the man of God. One other example in the book of Esther. You remember the wicked Haman, the Jew hater? And he had a gallows put up, hopefully to hang Mordecai, who winds up on those gallows. When you put Esther 5:14 and 7,9 through10 together, you find out it is Haman. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall we also reap. Deluxe talionis, the law of retribution. And now down to verse seven. And I heard another from the altar saying. Now the majority of Greek manuscripts puts it this way. And I heard the altar saying. Could this be pointing back to Revelation 6, 9-11? Remember who is under the altar? The souls of those who had been martyred for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could they be the ones now speaking? And notice here there is a praise to the angels, if you will, for doing the will of God. So it says here in verse 7, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. See, as the angels are obedient to God's command, we find an excitement from those who have been slain Because justice is being enacted. And now we have our fourth judgment. Bowl number four against the sun. By the way, the sun is not just a separate entity that doesn't impact the earth. It impacts the earth greatly. That's why we're looking at these four together. Verse eight, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. The fourth trumpet judgment also impacted the sun back in chapter 8 and verse 12. But this is much more devastating. Notice it says in verse 8, And power was given to him to scorch men with fire. I just want to give you a contrast, if I might here, uh, concerning the saints versus the unjust. Go back to Revelation 7 down to verse 16 about those who had been slain for identifying with Christ. Verse 16 of chapter 6 says, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. In other words, they are now protected. They are loved. They are given rest but yet the inhabitants of the earth are experiencing the wrath of the Almighty. Verse nine continues, and men were scorched with great heat. Uh, John uses what we call a cognate accusative here to show the intensity of the judgment. This means the verb, what's translated here, were scorched, and then the noun, heat, both derive... From the same root. So it's juxtaposing. Taking those two. The verb and the noun. Coming from the same root. And showing that this is a tremendous heat. That is pummeling the inhabitants of the earth. How do we know that? Look at your response. And they blaspheme the name of God. Who has power over these plagues. The inhabitants of the earth. Simply are imitating the antichrist. Remember, we're introduced to him back in chapter 13. And who is he? He's a blasphemer. We saw that in verse 1. We also saw in verses 5 and 6 that he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Verse 6, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. The inhabitants of the earth and the Antichrist all have one father that is satan and they imitate his ways sadly at the end of verse nine and they did not repent and give him glory well that's significant because back in chapter 14 and verse seven remember that angel is flying across the sky saying with the loud voice fear god and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth. The sea and the springs of water. Let's go back. To our focus question. Does crime against the saints. Hey. Here's your main point. God enforces the lex. In other words, God enforces judgment upon the inhabitants of the earth who have judged his people. There's a punishment that fits the crime, in other words. And to bring this to a close today, I'd like you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, and I want to look at verses 17 through 21. Romans chapter 12, 17 through 21. Suffering, persecution, both are means that God uses to train his children. Part and parcel of the Christian life is that we will suffer. And all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's it's part of what we are to expect. Not only to know the power of the resurrection, as Paul writes in Philippians 3.10, but also be conformed to the fellowship of his sufferings. And that word is plural there. So how are children of God to live in a world that hates us? In a world that even now is putting to death those that are identifying with Christ around the world. Many martyrs even today. Well, in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17, Paul writes, Repay no one evil for evil. Don't imitate their wicked nature. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Remember what it says in Galatians? It says we have opportunity. Let us do good to all men. Verse 18. If it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When we are suffering, when we are being persecuted, to imitate Christ is what we are called to do. We are to follow in his steps. So even when Judas betrays our Lord with a kiss, Jesus asked, friend, why have you betrayed me? The idea is that we are to imitate our God and let the vengeance rest with him and not us. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, notice, says the Lord, and he will. Verse 20, therefore, if your enemy is hungry... Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Let us supernaturally and by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit treat with kindness those who hate Christ and us. Perhaps our kind deeds will be used by the Lord To bring conviction to people. I mean think about it for just a moment. When Stephen is being martyred. In Acts chapter 7. There we have the apostle Paul. Who is supporting the activity of the wicked. He's not understanding that Stephen was a man of God. But he watched how he died. As he kept the clothing of those that were stoning him. I'm sure that had an impact on his conscience. And then to wrap this up here in verse 21 of Romans 12. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what do we need to remember? God enforces the lex talionis. He is the one who ultimately will dole out vengeance, judgment, because he is a just God. But in the interim, we proclaim the gospel. The Lord so faithfully raised up witnesses throughout the book of Revelation, chapter 7, chapter 11, chapter 14, the angel flying through the midst of heaven, preaching. We need to stay focused on our mission, expect opposition, try to overcome evil with good, but know this, that even if the wicked puts you to death for your faith in Christ, there will be a day. That God's wrath will be poured out in full measure upon those individuals. He is a just God. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Revelation 16, these first four bowl judgments. We've learned much. We thank you for your just nature. We praise you because you are consistent trying to reach lost. You had sent various ambassadors to perform your will to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ Revelation 7 and 11 and even the angel in chapter 14 but Lord wickedness will continue but I thank you that it in your perfect time you will enact vengeance So we rest in you and we give that to you and just help us to stay focused on our calling and to know that when we suffer, when we are persecuted, we are identifying with the one who had endured all suffering and persecution for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.